Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives right after they put out important news. With us today, happy to have him back. He's a personal ID guru, <laughs> David Lukacs, president of Cabin North America, trades on the CSC under the stock symbol KABN. A lot of you are going to be new to the story because it just listed over the summer. For those of you who knew, let's kind of explain what they do. Facebook showed us that sharing identity, our data is a major issue, and that spawned off some pretty serious regulations in Europe and in the United States regarding the protection of our online identity. Generally, what Cabin does is turns a problem of data privacy into a profit for individuals while providing big businesses who have these old business models based on our data, got to look for new ones with new and compliant business models. So they do that. Uh, in, a, in a couple of ways, we'll go deeper, but continuous online identity verification. They don't just verify I'm George Scholes one time, it's continuous. They know everything about me. Personal identity management, personal data monetization, which is great for all of us because those big tech companies have making all that money and now it's going to all come back into our pockets. David, welcome back to the show. Thanks, George. It's great to be back. Thanks. So you put out a press release today. I understand that. Oh, and there's my Bixby. So I put out a press release today. You put out a press release today. Cabin Network joins the Trustover IP Foundation. All mm -hmm. right. On its face, I got to tell you, sounding kind of innocuous, right? Uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of companies join business groups. But then I took a look at who uh, is there right along with you. And I see IBM, MasterCard, Accenture, and some other really big names. So this isn't your local business group, this, how big is this, David? Well, George, I mean, identity affects all of us at one time or another, you know, you've got 5 billion people online. So identity, online identity is a big issue. So it's gonna take big organizations to tackle this. And we're excited and proud to be part of Trust Over IP or TOIP because we believe it's got the right consortium together to make identity uh, an uh, identity ownership and opportunity for individuals. And I'm sure for everyone watching at home or listening by podcast, even for me, it still takes a little time to wrap our mind around that because all of us think, you know, oh, we've already got our IDs. I go on Amazon, I can put in my credit card and I say I'm George or you know, all this. How do you think digital identity verification is really going to work uh, maybe you could show us an illustration of that. Sure, I'll do that. But let me start by saying, you know, we take identity for granted and identity was never considered at the outset of the internet. The technology to make all this happen was, was challenging. So if I'm a young person and I want to go into a liquor store or a bar, I have to prove who I am. But, but am I really proving who I am? Could I be using a, a sibling's identity? Like, how do we really prove who we are? And that, that usually requires some reputational opportunities, some face-to-face -face contact, some trust. How do we build that trust over the internet? I mean, you know, we've all at one time or another said to our kids, hey, you know, you want to buy something online? Here's my credit card, go to town, right? You got go spend your $50. Well, that is the digital identity fraud and theft is, is a $30 billion on its own, you know, market problem. And, and consumers are paying you know, outlandish fees for, for others that are abusing the system or getting caught. So how do we fix all this? And it's been recently said that adding identity to the internet is like trying to change a jet engine in mid-flight 
without disturbing the passengers. So working with this with trust over IP in the groups and, and based on the cabin technology that focuses on consumers, we think we've got an answer. But to easily explain that, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to share a document. And I think it'll be, um, it'll be very Yeah, that'd be great. So that everyone kind of see it in layman's terms. So uh, uh, let me work. this up. So, and I'm just going to start the, uh, the slideshow and, and make it easier to um, use. But when, when we look at a traditional transaction, you know, I go in the real world, I go into a store and I want to buy something. And, and so what I do is at checkout, I go into my wallet or I take my phone that's got my card on it. And I, you know, the terminal comes up and I tap the terminal or I put my card in. That creates what we call a, a trusted triangle between myself being the consumer, the retailer and my issuing bank. And, 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 and there's processors obviously involved. But that triangle says, hey, David Lukacs wants to make a purchase. Mr. Retailer, do you want to make this purchase with David? The bank says, we can trust that um, the parties that are involved are trusted individuals in this transaction. Go to town. Now, I, I, it's assumed that I own that card and I can give it a signature or a pin. depending on. Where I like going. that. It's assumed yeah. ownership at the end of the day because... Really, at the end of the day, George, the guy behind the counter, gets a card that says David Lukacs on it. But do I really know that's David Lukacs at the end of the day? I'm just hoping, I'm trusting the system uh, will we'll figure this out. But it's assumed. Right. So if you take this assumption theory into online uh, government services, I mean, I was speaking to someone yesterday who got hacked at CRA. I mean, a password and a username don't mean enough today. So right. the assumption is that the person who has your password and username is the owner of that identity. That's a massive assumption that causes hundreds of millions of dollars of issues. You can imagine the credit issues that people face, all these problems. If you're going to take an exam online, how can a university guarantee that you are you? Right. Because now you've got academic. So you can think of all these things that weren't built into the internet. Now, to yeah, me, it's not just shopping. I'm, I'm glad you brought those examples. It's not just shopping at the end of the day. It's my identity at CRA if I want to get in to see my return. It's my uh, medical. It's all that stuff. So that's that. That's a great example. Yeah, uh, insurance. I mean, it, it, it's rampant. It affects every industry that's online today. And and there is there are issues, and we're looking to solve them. So hell, email. Solve, sorry to bring the. Uh, sorry, Dave, because we're just yeah. kind of talking. Email is a major problem. Somebody gets my username and password, then they have access to everything because through my email, they can see my bank accounts. Probably I've had conversations with my bank. I've had conversations with my accountants, whatever the case may be. So even email, we take for granted that every day, you know, George555, that's on my password, but you know, George555. But really, Gmail has doesn't know that that's me. It just assumes it's me. And that's scary. Agreed. And so on the on the trust side, that's a big problem. I mean, people have had their phones hacked and then people get into a file and all of a sudden all their accounts are gone. So and and phone security, while really good, is is really at a very nascent level. Um, there are experts that can show you how to hack, uh, a, you know, a phone and put someone else's ID on it, like your, your facial image and everything else. So at the end of the day, we've got we've got two problems. One is the assumed ownership and and the assumed benefits. Right? Like I'm not benefiting from this except the purchase. The merchant has all my identity information. They have all my transactional information and they're profiting from that. So it's on both sides of the fence. It's both on the ownership 
and the value proposition. Right. But if you look at identity, the monetization side. Exactly. And and to make this work, it it has to be very similar to what we do today. So it's got to be the technology may be very complex and the solution may be very complex, but the sort of the UX, the interface has to be very simple. Right. We don't want to learn new techniques. We want to do what we're already doing, but in a more secure fashion. So if I switch over and I say, here's self-sovereign identity, the ability for me to control my identity. And I'm going to do that same purchase with verified credentials. Okay. So what happens is instead of a terminal now, I've got my phone. And I had my phone in the last situation too. So I want to make an online transaction or a device. It could be a computer, laptop, uh, you know, iPad, tablet, anything. And I want to make the same transaction. Well, the same things have to occur. I have to be able to verify to the retailer and the bank issuer that I am who I say I am. But in this case, I am signing in with my biometrics. So not my phone biometrics, but with proven biometrics that can't be hacked at the phone level or can't be compromised at the phone level. And I'm going into a digital wallet or I'm using an avatar, but going into my digital wallet and I'm taking out not only my card. So my, my card may occur in, in, in my digital wallet for my cards, but my digital wallet for my credentials then says, Hey, this is really me. I have a digital credential from my card issuer that says it's me. And Oh, by the way, it in that microsecond already pinged my identity credential to ensure I am who I say I am. So at the end of the day, using biometrics and other factors, I am creating now a transaction that is blockchain-based and is trusted and proven in the same time that I would have done a traditional transaction. But now everyone is assured that everyone within the ecosystem is trusted. And the level of credential is going to depend on the transaction. So in a I was re- going to ask that. Yeah, it must be different for me shopping at Amazon versus me accessing my CRA, like in the example you gave before, yeah. accessing my CRA records. So the access credentials will be unique to the individual issuer um, or verifier. Like um, the government might issue one credential, your, your card issuer might do, do another credential, your Amazon might have a credential, your school might have a credential, so you can do things and take classes online and go to the bookstore. But that level of credential will be dependent. If I go to a concert and I have a, an e-ticket and we know how many people have been, you know, get fake, you know, kind of Raptors tickets or other tickets. There's been all this problem with people getting fake tickets. Well, these credentials will now be verifiable, but I don't need the same level of identity verification to get into a movie theater or a Raptors game or, or any type of event that I would if I was going to do a transaction with the government. So this, this, is, this allows the system very seamlessly and simply emulates what is already being done. And this is the magic of everything. We're making a very complex, again, changing that jet engine in mid-flight. We're making it as simple as it was as taking the trip. Nobody even noticed the jet engine changed, right? right. So- and, and finally, and then we'll go back, and then we'll go back to the normal view, which is, uh, am I right to assume that this is also not only not only are you going to be able to monetize because of every because of the way this set up, but it also adds even more security than I thought because if I take if I if I'm a hacker who in some way happens to get my your credentials for a movie theater or Amazon, that's different from the credentials for your health records, different from the credentials for CRA. So now it's no longer a case of one. One breach gives you everything. 
Well, again, we add biometrics. So, so the biometrics are, are, are unique keys, right? Only you have it. We don't have it. The other thing too is, is you can have data in this wallet. So if somebody wants to use data and you want to be able to give them that data to use, they can pay you for that data. So there's, so what you put in your digital wallets won't just be cards or identity or access or, or movie tickets. There'll be lots of different things that you can put in that wallet and use and take out and same as you would in a real wallet. You know, it's, it's, it's the same principle. But again, by using biometrics and digital credentials supported underneath all of it by an identity layer that's been proven. And you've gone through this. And I, I think earlier you made comment that we get the data. We don't get the data. This is all yours. It's, it belongs to you. We can never sell or rent anything. This is yours. How we make money from this triangle is, is from time to time, we might bring you an offer that is opportunistic and you make a purchase using the system. And we may get a spiff from the person who did that. But, but think about Airbnb in this, in this model. Um, you know, how many people get homes that are trash because one person said they rented and another person used it. Credentials would ensure that only the person that's, that's getting the key is the right person. Like there's so many different applications here. Everything that you do online can be now verified that you are the holder and the owner of that information. And this is self-sovereign identity is exactly what it says. It means you're in control, no government, no phone provider, no telecom provider. This is yours, you are in control. And the other thing which is, which is unique about this is, is with the trust over IP protocols, um, the assumption is everything will be interoperable. And what that means in very simple terms is, is if another network issues a credential, it will be compatible with this credential. So it won't be like an Apple Google issue. Everything will be able to be used among the individuals in the network. And I'm just going to um, stop sharing here. And, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because now clearly that's what the trust over IP foundation is trying to do, create one big system. So we don't have these walls all over the place. Exactly. Now let's ask, what is it IBM? What is the MasterCard? What is it Accenture wants and thinks uh, that you can contribute? Because there's a quote here that says, I am certain Cabin will make a strong contribution to the Trust Over IP Foundation. That comes from the executive director uh, of the Trust Over IP Foundation. So clearly there's a big confidence there. What piece, is, is, is this the piece that you're gonna be slotting in to the different specialties that IBM, everyone's kind of contributing their piece to this uh, this new trusted system? Well, there's more information coming out in the next uh, couple of weeks. I think we'll make additional clarity, but I think I can answer that very simply. When you think about, again, I showed a triangle and we'll go back to the triangle idea. There are three parties in this event, in any event. There is the user, and I won't say that it's just a consumer. It could be an organization. It could be a business. It could be a, anybody. But there's a user, there is someone who verifies that, that information, like a retailer says, I need to make sure that this is who you are. And there is an issuer of that original credential that, ver that, that is also involved. So like a government in your driver's license, a digital driver's license. Now, when you look at the names like IBM and Accenture and some of the other big names, MasterCard, they are really in the business of the, of the enterprise layer. They're in the business between the verifier and the issuer, that's their business. So they're a B2B model, right? right? We're the C. This is what took um, us 
some time to explain originally to IBM when we started our relationship that we're the C. Everybody keeps glancing over the C and, and, and this system does not work without C. You can't have a B to B to C system without a C. So these companies are not in the C business. That's our business. Our business is to empower consumers to verify, manage, wow. control their identity. We're working to create a baseline level of identity with these organizations that will empower an entire network to know that the user is the user. So and they're loving you because up to now, it doesn't seem like the C in the B2C part has been there for this. Well, it's, it's innately supposed to be there. Like if you had some of the other members, no. let's say like, you know, Aetna or USAA who are also in the organization, they're innately, they, they work with consumers. But even if I go to use a credential issued by my insurance company online, how does that insurance company knows when I use that credential that it is me? It still goes back to the same situation. We provide that baseline layer of verification that can instantly associate that credential with the user or the, the rightful owner. That is the fundamental principle that we're providing. Exactly. And, and, our, and again, our services program to the consumer, and I'll be very clear here, to the consumer is at no cost. So we want everybody to have this agnostic self-sovereign identity product that they get from us at no cost. How we'll make money is through some of our commercial relationships and some of our offering-based relationships because, George, you'll own all your data. And if you allow us to bring you offers based on the data, it has to have a value proposition for you and some kind of opportunity for us to, to, to earn something. And that makes sense, right? I mean, stuff yeah. is coming to me all the time anyways on social media, online, on stores. I'm always being recommended and stuff being thrown to me. And that's all being thrown at me because those big sites and platforms have my data. So they know I'm interested in the Dallas Cowboys and Greek food and all that. So they're just making money, giving it to me anyways. That now, is a truism, Dallas Cowboys and Greek food. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's me saying, okay, Cabin, you know what? I want to see information about these kind of cars. Or I would like to see information about these kind of healthcare products and like that. And then you're 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 almost you're almost like partner. You're you're giving them to me, but I'm I'm benefiting financially on top of it all. That that monetization starting to come to me because there's something in it for me. Well, there's one more piece that is really sort of a secret sauce piece, and and hopefully some of the viewers and listeners, the light will go on. Unfortunately, social media today is fraught with bots and hacks right. and fake users. Our liquid avatar in the cabin network allows one user and one account because you're biometrically verified and you've got credentials. That means anyone who wants to reach out to you as maximized and anyone, uh, any organization wants to give you an offer has maximized their efficiency because they know they're coming to a real person. This is, this is where people's uh, the business community's aha moment starts they go, oh my gosh, you're going to be giving me only real verified users that I'm going to reach. I can maximize my profitability as a, as a company because I'm not going to be dealing with, with fakes. And I can give a consumer the best deal I can because I know they're real and they're interested in our services. 
Yeah, we just put out a press release for another client this morning. Uh, we'll mention who, but the product basically is dealing with fake reviews. And that Bloomberg put out a report that says during the pandemic, 42% of all reviews on Facebook and 36% on Amazon, sorry, and 36% of all reviews on Walmart are fake. So it's becoming a bigger and bigger problem. So if you can solve that for Agoracom, so when I'm serving an ad mm -hmm. and I want to make sure it gets in front of an investor who's actually a small cap investor, I'm getting maximum dollar. I, I think I think that's brilliant. I'm going to ask you a question that I've asked you on I previous- I just want to comment there if I can. So that great company that put out that release this morning is a partner of ours. So I'm really, I'm really happy to say that that I'll, I'll go to plug in here for loop and MTRX, right? Um, okay, but, I didn't want to. I, you know, I, I, no, I, I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad and, that you're saying it. No, and and one of the reasons we're we're looking at continuing to work together and looking to in, improve that is because even the reviews have to be verified by an individual. So you know the Loop Wallet Pass is a great product, but if you add identify you verified credentials by Cabin and Liquid Avatar, you're going to enhance that value. So these are all kinds of things that we're talking to companies about because yes, they can talk about being more and more um, verified, but uh, we're, our, our simple comment is based on that, that visual, prove it. How, do we, how can you prove to me that it's a verified user and verified credentials versus assumed credentials? So that's where we are. So my apologies, I interrupted. Yeah, no, no, of course. what do you mean? Are you kidding me? You're, you're the star of the show. Uh, You'd say whatever, you, whatever you want. You. Only second to you. So. A question I've asked you before, but now the answers have become more uh, uh, evident, but it's good to address it again, which is, I used to ask you, all right, all sounds great, David, but are you way ahead of, are you way ahead of your time? Because most people, yeah, well, I know there's a problem that some might use my identity, so I pay higher fees for my insurance, for, for, my, for my MasterCard. Uh, I'm susceptible to my bank having problems. But it almost seems like everyone's comfortable with it, right? What's the what's the future of online identity and user data? What's the catalyst? Because it seems like if the Trust Over IP Foundation is doing this, government regulations are, are doing this, this is going to come faster than we all expect. This isn't just Cabin saying, this would be great. Why don't we use it? And then nobody wants to use it. Well, I, I'm going to say three examples. That's a good point. Um, one, um, the credit card industry came out this year and, and, and said that fraud went rampant with, with the current macro environment. I, I hate to use the word pandemic, but I'll use it once and then refer to macro environment. The second thing is, is, is um, and, and George, you know, my, my, my daughter's a little bit older, but I know you've got kids of, of this age, but, but if they're taking classes online, you know, how can, how can a university, when they apply to university, guarantee that that credential was, was, rightfully earned by them. So we have that next generation issue and yep, you're, major you're prompting an entire generation that that becomes an issue. And then, you know, um, um, California under what's called the California Consumer Protection Act, just on the ballot added some additional protection to consumers. Google's announced that cookies are disappearing, but um, um, you'll see in our, our release today that someone from the BC government, John Jordan um, provided a quote and uh, and on and we've been we've been involved in the Ontario uh, government has just recently had a number of uh, uh, discussions, uh, open forum discussions, and we were part of a roundtable discussion. Everyone is concerned, and Ontario government has now announced that by 2021 they're going to have digital services in play. 
So this isn't a pipe dream. We may have been ahead of the curve in the last three years that we've been developing it, but we took our company to the public market at we believe is the right time. You've got to always be a little bit early so we can gain a bit of traction. Yep. But everyone we talk to go, yeah, I know identity is an issue. Man, I wish I could. I wish I had. I wish I did. Um, so so we're, we've gone in the early days from what I would call the bleeding edge when we were making our own investments to bringing the company to market at the leading edge side of the business. So I think we're, we're going to see 2021 as a massive opportunity for digital identity. And the thing is, when you say massive, it's massive because ID is 100%. every single person using the web. Like I love esports. A lot mm-hmm. of a lot of you know I love esports, but that affects you know a couple hundred million people uh, around the world. It's not everybody, right? Other people love Instagram and you know shopping on Amazon, but it's not everybody. ID is everybody. So if by next year, the governments through these initiatives and through regulations are really pushing for this to happen. I'm not projecting anything, but my goodness, cabin, what happens? I'm not going to say it. I was going to say become the next fill in the blank, but I'm not going to say that. But is, is, is that what you guys see? Uh, or am I overstating it saying, hey, George, you know, uh, it's not going to be that big. Well, no, we, we see it. We see it as 100% reach, right? Like it's it, the universal opportunity is 100% of people online. Like there's no if, ands, or buts. But again, we're 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 an early adopter to this industry. We're an early leader in 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 digital identity and SSI. We're working with the right companies who are leaders in their space. I mean, I think the numbers, and I may not get this number right, but I think the numbers of worldwide Mastercard holders tops 900 million, almost a billion card holders. Um, think about the companies that, 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 that Accenture touches or the number of people who are at Aetna CVS or, um, you know, USA. I mean, the numbers are just, it'll be a great start until the Trust RIP Foundation gets even bigger and bigger and brings in all the constituents that touch everybody on the planet to get, it won't take that many. No. And, and so, so we think we're going to have an opportunity to be, and I think then in the next few weeks, it'll become even more evident, but I think we're going to have an opportunity to be, um, um, you know, a major player in this space. Um, but again, I don't think we'll be alone, but again, our entire model, our business model is collaborative. We're collaborative with our partners that we're bringing on board to extend their reach of their consumers with Liquid Avatar. We want to be partners yeah. with other identity providers because we can't do this alone. But but we want to be in the mix by providing the users great tools, and those tools may be collaborative, and there might there might be additional revenue shares. But but at the end of the day, the, what what we've learned from the Trust over IP and has been part of our DNA from the beginning is it's an open standards, open architecture. It's supported by the Linux Foundation. So this isn't a winner grab all. This is how does everybody work together to create a solution or solutions that will protect the integrity of the internet, the growth of the internet, and the users of the internet. So I think think we're taking a bit of an altruistic view, but it isn't a bad view to take because, again, the market is so substantially large. I mean, it's it's everyone. It's not not just someone. It's everyone. And I'll, I'll read this for everybody from the press release because some of you may have not read it or made it that far down because we know a lot of, a lot of investors get lazy. Okay, I got enough here. This is awesome. Halfway through. 
the Trust Over IP Foundation, its members include over 150 leading companies, organizations, and individual contributors sharing expertise and collaborating to define standard specs to advance a secure trust layer for the digital world. This is serious business. And David, congratulations on Cabin, uh, you know, uh, joining as the C part of, uh, of this foundation. Re really exciting. Taken into uh, also when you take into account that it wasn't about three weeks ago where you launched, uh, uh, you're set to launch that program with Boone, uh, span, a rewards program that could span 11.5 million Canadians. It's safe to say the business is starting to find its feet now and, uh, and, and, and really starting to accelerate. I think that's a fair assumption. I mean, it, it, it you know, it, it takes a, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Um, so Promise to make a cake. Exactly. Exactly. So, so at the end of the day, you know, we're doing the things that we've laid out in our mandate to do. Um, it's, it's not a slow and steady process, but we're accelerating as quickly as we can, you know, without, uh, without kind of dropping, you know, eggs on the floor. And, um, so we're really excited where we are. We're really excited about the prospects and, and, and very importantly, we're really exciting about the, uh, excited about the opportunities for our stakeholders. Our shareholders, our, our team members, our partners. Um, this is the really important part to us. We um, we want to make sure everyone in our ecosystem is successful. If I've said it once, I'll say it. If I if I've said a thousand times, I'll say it again. My thesis, the Agorcom thesis about this decade, is that it will generate more wealth from converging disruptive technologies like this than the last two decades combined. It seems like all tech is now going granular. Everything on the planet is gonna be digitized, right? And you know, I can give so many examples, but with Cabin, it's right down to user identity, protection, verification, monetization. That just wasn't capable 10 years ago. A, the technology wasn't there, B, I don't think usage was there enough, right? But usage is super accelerating. The pandemic has obviously added added another catalyst to that. But it just seems like that by the end of this decade, guys, the world is going to look completely different from what it looks like today. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a whole new group of winners from companies that we never even thought would have existed because we look, just what cabin solving right so congratulations david really really well done and, and can't wait to see what happens to this company over the next 12 months well thank you um we're, we're always excited to be here uh, it's always a pleasure and uh we welcome everyone to check out the trust over ip foundation which is www.toip.org and obviously check out our website and you know, as always, anyone can ping us, reach out to us. We get back to everyone as quickly as possible. For everyone watching at home or you've been listening via podcast, uh, you've heard what David Lukacs, president of Cabin North America, had to say. The company trades on this CSCM, the stock symbol KABN. Look, we know that a lot of these concepts are new, almost mind-blowing, and not the easiest to absorb uh, the first time around if this is the first time you're watching or listening to David. So make sure you get to the cabin hub on Agoracom, punch in the company's name or stock symbol, which is the same, K-A-B-N, 
go to the profile page, read up there where we try to put it into layman's terms to make it understandable yet still compelling. Then get over to the cabin side and watch the interviews that we've done with David so far in just this last half of the year uh, to really learn. It's your job to do the due diligence. It's our job to bring you the great companies uh, with that with reasonable, meaningful prospects of success. I think that's cabin, but do your due diligence. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Talk to you next time.